You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hey everybody out there in internet land, it's Brian House here for Housework and this is Work For It episode number seven and in the studio as always I have my main man Mr. Trent Hill, say what's up Trent. Howdy guys. And uh, and in the studio today uh, you probably know him as Red Beard Ops on YouTube, Mr. James Keaton. Mr. James Keaton, would you introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. For sure. Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, my name's James Keaton. I, I live in Texas and uh, I run a YouTube channel, you know, as you just mentioned, Redbeard Ops. And I've been making knives uh, really since I was around 16 years old in high school, but I had a long space in the middle where I didn't make anything. And I picked it back up maybe two years ago and uh, I've really, really enjoyed this uh, craft and I really enjoy learning along the way with everyone else on YouTube. What I what I really like about your channel and uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of start how with how I found you. I was actually getting into bladesmithing and I um, YouTubed uh, just looked up um, how to make a knife jig and you have a really uh, easy knife jig build on there and I don't know it's maybe a year or two old uh, maybe more than that now maybe a couple years ago you made it. A simple piece of angle iron and with a bolt underneath, you know, just to kind of articulate the angles and such. But what I really liked about it was your approach. And you also throw like a lot of humor in there. Like when you're making a sheath the first time, you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. So, you know, <laughs> like I, I love that about you. And I like that you're, you toss in all those little caveats. Cause again, I like when we see more than just the success on YouTube. There's a lot of people who just edit out all the failures and we end up seeing like, you know them do something pretty amazing but you know a lot of times we don't get to see those failures or learn from those failures and you don't do that you know for the most part you're always showing us like hey this is how i did it and maybe there's a better way maybe there's a worse way whatever but this is how i did it and it's it's genuine and i like it yeah you know that's uh it's really what i try to do a lot on my channel is show uh show my failures just as much as my successes and i a lot of times I'm doing a project and I don't know the right way to do it. I'm going to try a bunch of different things. And 
my goal is for people to learn from those mistakes as I am making them and we can kind of learn at the same pace. You know, on that bevel jig, the reason I made the bevel jig is because I was having problems getting symmetrical bevels ground into my knives. So, you know, I saw a couple other guys had jigs and I decided to make one for myself. And, you know, a lot of my projects on my channel start off that way, just problems that I'm trying to solve in my own shop and uh, I film it and show it to everyone else. Sometimes it works out well and sometimes it doesn't, but that's kind of all part of the game. I, I notice you have a really specific uh, sort of model for how you're making your videos now. You have a formula, and I really like that formula. And I think what uh, a lot of YouTubers miss initially when they start creating content is they don't fully know what they're I mean, obviously, how like how do you know like what your style is going to be? Uh, what do you you know how how are you going to niche in and do certain things? And you have created sort of the the basic how to video, and then you've created the thing that I get asked about all the time: the surface grinder, which is like way above my head and my pay grade. But like you you don't you you know in one take you're doing uh you know maybe a file guide something a little more simple and then the next you're building something like that surface grinder and that just shows like your range of of all the different projects you have going on it's almost like you're building your workshop and your skills up and we get to watch you do it man it's it's really fun too i'll tell you what the the youtube side has actually pushed me uh as a craftsman a lot further because it's kind of like okay not only do i have to make this thing but I have to do it in such a way uh, that it's repeatable and I need to be able to explain how I did each step. So it, it really makes me think through the process of building something and that surface grinding attachment was a good example. That took me forever to do. That was a tough project. But it paid off in spades. I mean, if you look at the view count on that thing, it's it's crazy. I mean, that's amazing how many yeah. people have watched that video. And, and I use it. I use it on just about every knife I make now. Yeah, so. yeah, that's awesome. I, I actually get asked about service grinders all the time. They're like, when are you going to design your own? And I just say, go look at Jake Keaton's stuff because he really kind of figured it out. And uh, and if you follow along in the video, you could build one along you know, with you, basically. I mean, I know there's some plans and things that people mm -hmm. need to know, some dimensions and stuff. But for the most part, if you're if you got, you know, a little bit of handy know how you could literally sit down and build one yourself it's not a, an insanely complicated device but if you do it wrong it won't work right so you're, there's you're, a lot of little tiny caveats in there that you know you're that, missing the point though brian what's the point trent well it seems that you have two two and a half kinds of uh viewers you know you've got the kinds who are uh hands-on for sure and then you've got the other half that i like to call the tool polishers they collect tools. They don't actually use them. It's garage yeah, jewelry. You're right. And uh, there, there's. Uh, it, it, I hear other makers talk about this as well. Like when they create plans for something, how people can't wrap their minds around slight deviations in certain things. Like they need very specific measurements, and they need to know why. And I don't work like that. I prototype things, I build things, and you know, uh, you know, I, I I get these emails and they're like, well, you say here that this needs to be three and a half inches above certain thing, but in your video, it's clear that it's two and a half inches or it's you know four inches or whatever. 
And I'd say, well, the, the plans are a guide. You know, I used a different spring in that video, so I need to drop it a little bit more to raise the tension just slightly, you know. It's and, the truth. And it's people truth. cannot wrap their mind around that. They they think everything has to be, there's a specific reason that I did it a specific way. And it's like, well, I put that hole there because it looks good there. You know, that's it. That's the only reason. It's aesthetics only. And um, and, and so it, if what I try to do is educate people a little bit about thinking outside of the box, like use those plans as sort of a guide to do your own thing or, or you can you can follow them exact and it'll build just fine. But uh, there's there's definitely those two types of people. They, oh. they really don't they really can't wrap their head around deviation. All I know is that I need to attend the Brian House School of Customer Service because <laughs> if I got customers like that, I'd be like, look, you're obviously not competent or capable, so right. I'm going to do us both a favor. I'm not going to sell you this because I don't want you trying to sue me because you're a fucking moron. <laughs> no, it well, could be tough. I mean, just look at the comment section of a lot of YouTube videos in general. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of inquiries that that are not very well thought out, but there are some that are very well thought out. And this guy, you can tell this guy is really trying to think through the problems of a build almost to a point of paralysis. You know, they, they try to plan it out to such a high degree that they never actually start building the item. I, I have to admit that I suffer from that a lot. And it's tough. I did that from time to time too, man. It's well, overbuild it. Uh, and, and the thing is, is like, especially once you've built a lot of stuff, like you start realizing the trap falls pretty quickly and you're like, uh, you know, what What if I just did this? And then pretty soon, you know, I, I brought it up to Brian in one of our last podcasts. It's like pretty soon that $200 chair that I could just buy looks a lot more appealing versus the $1,200 in equipment I would want to do it to, you know, the nth degree. And it's like, you know, it's it's one of those things like, uh, you know, you, you look at some of your guys' builds and just the details and stuff that you put in there. Like, I, I, I my hat's, my hat is, is firmly off to the guys that will sit there and work up through the grits, polishing those knives. That would drive me batshit crazy in a hurry. And I would just have to walk away and be like, yeah, well, that's just going to sit there in a pile until I get bored enough. I have to come back to it. You can just make like those fancy forged knives that are like all dinged up and everything. And then and, and you can sell those. Those are I, I personally like those. You know, I look at them and I'm like, man, that guy just used like a 36 grit belt and put an edge like a primary bevel on that thing and called it a day. I love that. I think hey, it's great. Why do you all I, think I stonewash so many knives? Oh, totally. I know why. It's because, yeah, yeah, it's way easier. And it looks great. I mean, it looks super polished. You have, uh, I, I think one of the most ingenious builds you built was that uh, stone, uh, the, the the container that fits on your 2x72. Yeah. I you mean, know, how uh, brilliant is that? The funny I mean, thing it, about that is I actually picked, you know, a lot of these things are not my original ideas. You know, just to take a step back, that surface grinding attachment, you know, I, I, the guys on blade forms have been making those for years and they sourced all the overseas pieces and they made plans so a lot of times i'm standing on the shoulders of giants and it's the same way with that tumbler there's actually a youtube channel i think it's a 927 forge and it's some guy in uh somewhere in asia uh his english is okay but he made one of those tumblers and i copied him so there's a lot of learning going on from other makers on youtube for sure from me well acknowledge but that thing's awesome 
yeah acknowledging brilliant design is just i i think there has to be a certain amount of intelligence in someone to recognize when someone else has you know done a good enough job you know what i mean yeah i mean if you look at that surface grinding attachment the guys who have made it on blade forms uh this is actually where i saw it they you know they source all the pieces from overseas but before them I think the original maker of those surface grinding attachments was uh, that guy Travis with TW90 Grinders, I think. He was the first one to make an SGA. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, everyone's kind of taking the good out of everyone's design and trying to make it better. And, uh, you know, there's some really high-end surface grinding attachments now. I think there's a company called Reader Grinders, yep, and they yep. make a bulletproof surface grinder attachment. But then you got the cheap end, like... Uh, uh, not cheap isn't bad. It's just not as bulletproof as the uh, Origin Blade Makers makes a surface grinding attachment for like nine hundred dollars, and it and really that's a is, cheap one. Is nine hundred bucks? Yeah. yeah, unfortunately, it is a cheap one, and it's kind of what the point that you were getting to there, Trent, was you know why why buy it for nine hundred when you can build it for twelve? You know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but in, in this case, I, the surface grinding attachment that I built it was significantly less than. Uh, $800 or $900, but it, there's definitely a time component. Uh, you know, what's your time worth and what do you want to do? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think about that all the time when I'm doing something and, um, you know, I have another business that allows me to kind of do this kind of work and it's it's been built up over the last 15 years, but I had to outsource a lot of things and I had to do it to sort of make a decision, you know, where do I want to go with my life and my career and what what do I want to you know basically what's the second half of my life look like you know I'm in my 40s and I'm, I just had to I had the I have been blessed with um, having that choice and so when I started getting into content creation and looking at that as an overall business model I had no understanding or no real I had like no real knowledge of what that looked like but I knew I wanted to try it and I wanted to make a go of it and with any endeavor, you know, you you have to kind of balance it out. You have to say, well, I want the art portion of it or the creation portion of it, but it also has to generate money, you know, in order for it to make sense. Uh, unless, of course, you're like independently wealthy and you just want to make crazy cool videos or whatever. And you can do that. People do that. Um, but I, I'm not in that position. I need to, to needed it to generate some income. So. When I got into bladesmithing, I obviously saw a market for the the grinder that I built, and and you know I had a run in with my old grinder where I, I had a knife thrown into my apron and the whole thing. And I told you that I think I told you that. Yeah. Or actually, you you commented on that, and you're like, watch out for those. It's so funny because you you mentioned it. You're like, watch out for those um, Scotch Brite belts. They love to grab uh, knives, you know, and throw them. And I think right after that, I read that comment. It was like maybe a week later. I had that's what happened. It, a surface uh, a conditioning belt grabbed a knife and threw it into my apron. Granted, it was Tang first, no big deal. But it Good. scared me enough, <laughs> right? It scared me to the point where I was like, you know what? I need a proper grinder. I this this uh, design that I originally had made, it could not track backwards. You know, right? Reverse is a big deal for that. Yeah, and so um, that led me down the road of building the revolution, which I had no idea where that project would take me, but I just knew I wanted to build it. And then all of a sudden, all these amazing makers and business people came out of the woodwork, and like a guy came on. Um, 
Instagram who owns a manufacturing plant who wants to build, uh, you know, my my grinder in his plant and uh, as like a whole kit kind of thing. And um, and then Matt down in Texas by you, uh, he he had a laser cutter. So he's like, hey, you know, I've got access to this laser cutter. Why don't we start making parts and ship them out? And it became this thing and it became a thing. 100% 100% solely based on my social media presence. It, w- it had nothing to do with anything other than, you know, I had all these connections all of a sudden. And it was because people were watching my videos. And I think about, like, how life-changing th- is that? You know, it's insanely life-changing. It was just, like, made my life so much better. And I feel so blessed to be a part of that project. And I feel like it, it, had I not made those decisions, now, granted, Content creation still doesn't pay my bills, and even the grinder project still cannot pay the bills. But it, what it's shown me is that this is a viable business. This is something that you could create and and sort of uh, grow from nothing in say, if you really work hard at it, like a year or more. You know, like right around a year mark is when I started to see some return on my investment. It's a grind in the beginning for sure, and you know, the, to go back to your grinder, I mean. You know, first of all, everyone, I think a lot of people loves it because it's just a beefy design. And when it comes to grinders, everyone likes beefy grinders. So that's that's one of the great things about your design. And it can go horizontal easily. It can be tracked backwards, all those things. But I think one thing that Trent said earlier, and, and we were talking about the time commitment on building something and sometimes how it's not worth it to put in that time because you could buy it cheaper. And there's one intangible with that equation and the intangible is the things that you learn when you're building that piece of equipment. So, oh, for instance, absolutely. your grinder yeah. or my surface grinder, it took a lot of effort to build that. But I learned things throughout the process that have made other builds easier and have opened other avenues. So. And you get the door. And, and I would imagine you're, the, a lot of doors have opened up for you in regards to that because people come out of the woodwork and go like, hey, I want to build this, too. Or, you know, you build connections. You know, I, I don't know if that's like your business model on creating content or not. But well, I, just, you know, when it comes to like the YouTube game for, for me, uh, you know, I started off making knives as a hobby and it still is. Don't get me wrong. But the, the YouTube side has become kind of the secondary of that same hobby. And I really enjoy now uh, making content for YouTube kind of in a teaching mindset. I don't know all the answers, but I enjoy the process of learning something to a point that I can teach it to somebody else. And you're right, that surface grinding video did have a pretty big impact on my channel. I think uh, according to the YouTube analytics, that video alone got me 3,000 subscribers. And at the time, wow. my subscriber base was fairly lower than it is now when I came out with that video. So. Uh, it was definitely a catalyst that sped my channel's development. Yeah, it's like one video like that can slingshot you. Um, yeah, so just to do a check-in right now, so Redbeard Ops is at 18,900 subscribers. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're not subscribed to uh, James's channel, you should go out and subscribe, push him over that. 19,000 mark anyhow and get him all the way up to 20 25,000 I mean you're, you're I mean why not let's ask yeah, and but in the in the reason is is because your content it's re, it's you are constantly uploading good stuff and you're coming up with different uh cool ideas in regards to uh not just bladesmithing but other things like build, building your own tools which is the reason why I like your channel and I love your knife I love your the style of your knife and the the the, the pieces that you're putting out are really super clean and you also take all that time to sort of educate people as you go along, which is 
it's like the best gift ever. It's like free that I can go on. It's amazing to me that I can go on there and watch you do the, what you do and learn from you. And I've never met you and I may never meet you, you know? Yeah. Well, Hey, I, I really appreciate that. And you know, I'm, I'm doing my best and it's still a, like I said, it's still a hobby and I'll, I'll be as active as I can be going forward, you know, uploading videos. I'm trying to get one every, I hold myself at the beginning of the year, I set a goal and it was to upload uh, one video every two weeks. And I've been uploading almost once every week. So I, I don't know how long I'll keep up that pace, but I'm still shooting for once every two weeks moving forward. And, you know, I don't want to upload fluff videos just to upload them. I, I want them to have content that people can relate with and learn something from. Yeah, you definitely don't do the fluff videos. I'm, I I kind of uh, fell into that for a while because I was trying to do two videos a week and there was just like absolutely no way I could do it without doing like shop update videos and things like that. And people get a little bit annoyed with that. They're like, oh, you know, this video is not, not what they, you know, they want to see me build something. You know, they want to see me, you know, prototyping or doing something along those lines. It's just the amount of time it takes to do that and film it and edit it. It's just, the, there's a, it's insanely difficult to do and then but then what i found was is like my shop updates where i was telling you know just talking about like numbers and telling people like hey this is how many sales we've gotten and the business side of things what i find is i get a lot more maybe less views but i, I get a lot more um genuine interaction from people that is yeah. for me that's like way worth it like i don't care if anybody watches them or not but it, like if i get like 25 or 30 really decent comments from people then I know I'm like on the right path. So I just, you know, that's what I started doing. And cause people like, like if I don't upload every week, I get emails and all kind like, Hey man, are you okay? Like, is it, you know, like some people are checking in on me and, and, um, it's which your, I, uh, it's I your love. OG followers there, you know, it's oh, your, man, yeah. it's your, uh, ride or die guys that they get on there and they, you know, they really care about, uh, how your business is going and how your shop's going. And then I'm not saying your other followers don't care, but, a lot of the other followers out there are looking for uh, videos that substantially uh, increase their knowledge base or they can get a lot out of. So there's kind of like two different types of viewers. You know, there's those viewers that are, are looking for a specific way to do something. That That's where you get all your search from. There's the viewers that follow you and they like seeing anything you build. And then there's the last type of viewer that really wants to see not only the things you build, uh, but also like, how's your life going today? You know what I mean? And yeah, it's definitely like a view, like a voyeurism thing where people are interested in, you know, just uh, just the basics of like my workshop and what I'm up to on a daily basis. But I try to like push everybody over into Instagram because I yeah. post a lot more on Instagram on the regular because it's just so much simpler. You know, I can mm -hmm. put up an IGTV video and, and put, pump it out and and people can check in with me there. So you know, that's one reason why vlogs are so uh, so. I guess prevalent, you know, people do, some people do like to watch uh, someone's daily vlog, so to speak. Yeah. I, I've so thought not about a bad it. Thing. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. I just, I just, uh, I would, I'm, I'm on the fence about it cause I, I could produce vlogs and I would have a blast doing it, but it's, there's like that ego thing. And I'm, I'm not like, I don't want to be a famous person. That's not my, never been my goal. I just, that's not it. I would, wouldn't mind it, I guess, but it's not been my goals. My goal has been always to like kind of create a business around content and, uh, and, and also learn a lot and then make connections with people, which I'm doing. And I'm sure you are as well. It's like, I'm meeting so many great people and the podcast is just like another layer of that where I, I get to have these awesome conversations with people that I would never, you know, be able to sit at the same table with. 
and yeah. learn from. So um, for me, it's like that's a hundred percent worth it. So Trent, what were you going to say? I cut you off, buddy. No, no, I I was interjecting. I was just saying it's the it's the investment. You know, the the difference between several of the viewer types, the the ones who are personally vested in it, it goes deeper than like your branding. Like they, I don't know, they're trying to form a connection with you or they do form a connection with you either through common interests, shared interests, uh, you know, seeing someone succeed, uh, all of that. And then, you know, like, like uh, Jay was saying, you've got, you know, and, and I do this sometimes, uh, not as frequently anymore, but, uh, you know, you get on there and, and I'm looking for, like, when my wife's Outback was down, our friend let us borrow her Jeep Liberty. And there were a few little niggling problems that she had with the, the Jeep. So as a courtesy, out of respect for uh, her loaning us our, her car, um, like the, the rear window motor goes out on those things so, so commonly. And... I was like, well, I'm going to fix this. And I, I didn't know like what all, like how involved it was, but I found two really good videos and literally within 30 minutes, um, I had replaced the motor and gotten everything buttoned back up and working just like it should have from the factory. And I was so grateful to that. And, and the, the bad thing is like, I personally benefited from that. And I don't think I even said thank you to those uh, those YouTubers. And I feel bad now. I'm actually gonna have to go back into my YouTube history, find those two videos and give them thumbs up and comment on their videos because yeah. what they did helped me tremendously. Yeah, and saved you money and you learned something in the process. Yeah. And the thumbs up is like by far the best thing you can do. Um, that that counts as interaction on YouTube. So even a thumbs down, uh, you know, unfortunately does too. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't like those as much. But um, yeah, thumbs up and a comment. Even if it's just like, hey, man, this saved me tons of time and money. I appreciate you. Thank you. That's it. That's oh, yeah. like all yeah. I care about anyway. Well, and, and that's yeah. that's the thing. That's what, 30 seconds out of my time. Right. And they just saved me, you know, my mechanic charges like $110 an hour and he's worth it. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, so they just saved me 110 bucks. Like it is absolutely worth three or 30 seconds of my time to stop being a self-absorbed asshole and to go say, hey, thank you. I appreciate this. What you do, what, what, what you've done here has value. It's the cheapest way I can repay them. It's, it's definitely made a lot of things easier to do in your life that, you know, you think about 40 years ago to, to replace the same item on that vehicle, you would have had to go pull up the manual probably, uh, find the OEM part number, go to the dealership, buy that part, and then there could be, you know, could be an explanation on text on how to replace that window motor. Uh, but it would have taken you way longer mm -hmm. to figure it out than just watch somebody do it. So Oh, absolutely. No, I'm just I'm just blown away. You know, I I guess I kind of sound like an old fogey here, but I'm just blown away with not only the content, but the caliber of the content that's available to us, whether it's Instagram, YouTube, uh, not so much Facebook. I still think that's for like 12 year old girls, but um, just I'm on Facebook. I love my Facebook. Trent. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, best. 
Yeah, I'll never be on that platform. So many trolls on there. I, I got into <laughs> it with like, I got into it because somebody posted a picture of their grinder in one of the home built belt grinder forums or whatever. And all these guys, he painted it red, white, and blue for 4th of July with stars and stuff. And all these guys were jumping on him, you know, basically telling him how stupid it looked, you know, in so many words or whatever. And, uh, you know, I may have had a couple of uh, cocktails or something, but I, and I just was a little looser at the moment. And I was just like, you know what? I'm not, I got to step in and say something. So I got into it with a guy, one particular fella. And we went back and forth. He was like, no, I, I was just making a comment about how, you, you know, it belonged in Super Mario Land. I was like, is this, this, this guy spent the last 20 hours of his free time, which he probably doesn't have a ton of, to build something, and you're making fun of it. Yeah, you're over here shitting, cool. shitting on him for your yeah. entertainment. Yeah. You know, that and, brings up a good point. You know, negative comments in general, uh, they can be a challenge, too. You know, I'm not saying I get a lot of them, but when you do get one... It's almost like you shouldn't read them at all. I know. It's a cancer. Very, some of them, they'll sit in the back of your mind. You know, you may get a thousand comments saying, great job. And you go through them and you, you appreciate them, but you'll go through them fairly quickly. Thanks, man, whatever. But you get one comment that is negative in any way. And it definitely uh, sits in the back of your mind like a cancer. And uh, it, actually, what I've found works the best is to answer that person uh, in a very passive way. You know, like, hey, uh, I'm sorry you did not enjoy this video. Um, you know, if I can do anything in the future to make you enjoy my videos, please let me know and I'll try to do better next time type thing. And I'll tell you what, 70% of the time they respond with, oh man, I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to criticize you. I, they feel bad. Oh, interesting. Yeah, interesting. They feel bad. Well, that's because they'll never say that to you in person. Exactly. That, that was going to be my, my next comment. Some of the shit that I read on here. I I don't care. I don't care how big of a keyboard commando you think you are. I guarantee that ninety nine point five percent of the time you would not have the balls to talk to someone like that to their face. Yeah, not have the balls or just not be that rude of a person to someone's face. Yeah, it's it's, it's <laughs> well, really wild. That, that, how there's a get on there. You know, there's a good possibility in the real world. That somebody's going to pop you in the fucking mouth for talking like that. Yeah. yeah there, there would be consequences, sure. whether uh, socially or physically, there would be consequences and, for and, being that much of an asshole. Yeah, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to justify that, and I'm not trying to be like, yo, bro culture. It's just, the, it's a reality. There, there are so many people that don't understand uh, how fortunate they are, one, that we have freedom of speech, but two, that more people are civil Rather, it's just the concept that we live in a polite society and the only reason why they get away with their shit is because we live in a polite society well Gary V has a really good take on this and uh, he says when somebody else goes on a social media platform and tries to bring someone down it's because they're down already so like there's something going on in their lives that's affecting them and they you know misery loves company that whole thing so I try to think of it in terms of that, but like it's I so got a comment, though, Brian. It is. I I got a comment recently with that is growing in the back of my mind. We might as well just talk about it right now. Is um, uh, so we opened up European distribution for the Revolution Grinder. It's not a huge distribution warehouse. It's like a guy in Germany who is who wanted to make a little extra money and uh, sell my grinders to the European Union. 
we worked out a deal, blah, blah, blah. He's got a laser cutter guy in his, his town. And so he started assembling these kits. So we did like a live thing where, you know, I, I brought Sven on and, you know, he showed the grinder, showed his house, showed where he's got all the parts and all that stuff. It was like a 10 minute long video. And I was just doing it to, you know, get some sales driven to, to him and to try to push, you know, him and uh, try to get some of the sales going for the European Union and a guy commented on there and he said I'm bailing on your channel because your channel has turned into a infomercial for your grinder only and that's all you ever talk about and I I joined on because I wanted to learn about you know whatever and um, so it wasn't like a mean nasty snarky comment it was just kind of like hey I'm leaving because you're you know you're no longer doing what I, I want and like first and foremost it's like this is my channel i get to pick what i do on it but at the same time he didn't watch all the you know 10 other videos of me making a welding table and doing all these other things he didn't watch your boat build he didn't yeah yeah so you know my my initial reaction which was nothing i didn't respond at all so i just i just like left it there for a while and then i was like thinking about i'm like you know i don't i don't even know what to tell the guy like at that point, I just want to go, you know, like you have no idea, like the amount of money and time and effort that goes into all of this. And you're you're like shitting on me because I I'm trying to help somebody in another country, like as like make a side gig for themselves. Like what a like super negative thing. Like if you don't like it, just don't watch it and move on and go. Like, can you imagine? Like, yeah, I, I can't just, even imagine he, doing that. He felt like it was necessary to give you a piece of his mind. Yeah. And, you know. You can't engage with those people. I mean, you can get on there and tell them everything you just said. And And it won't matter. And it won't matter. But I I do find every once in a while, if if you can get yourself to do it, just to get on there and be like, hey, man, really sorry you didn't enjoy this content and hope you find what you're looking for or something like that. You know, I I almost feel better. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm a better person for doing it, but I I feel better when I give an answer like that. and I think the people who go back and read the comment section, uh, it kind of, it raises the, uh, what's the word? It raises the standard of your comment section to some sure. degree. It's like, hey, look, this is a place where mature adults should be. Exactly. That's a good point. It, unless you're, um, uh, dies in every film. What's his name? Owner, owner, <laughs> O-N-U-R. Have you ever yeah, watched? I love it? that like, guy. Oh my God. He grabs the negative comments and just like, hand, I mean, he turns it into a whole shtick. I mean, it's, it's funny. <laughs> I think it's funny and it's, and it, but what I think it does though, is it invites it then, you know, cause people think, Oh, I'm going to write a nasty comment and see yeah. if he screen grabs it and puts it up on Instagram. Hey, if you like that kind of stuff, I mean, more power to you, you know, but it, I could tell it bothers him a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, I think he doesn't like it. Like I, and I, and I'm like, but you're highlighting it. You know, if you, if you ignore it or you take the high road, it won't happen as much. I, I, I see the flip side and I, I apologize, Brian, for dropping some F bombs. We've been keeping it relatively uh, dr- clean. Drop those F bombs, Trent. I don't mind. <laughs> well, I don't, I, I'm, I don't I want to offend like the sailor, viewers I just, because I mean, that's, no. that's, you know, it is part of why we're here. Yeah, but no, of uh, I, I see the flip side of it. I mean, uh, sometimes I'm a, I'm a, how do I put this? Like my wife calls me a pessimist, but I'm not a, I'm a, not a pessimist. I'm an optimist. The problem is I'm so disappointed by like, not reality, but just by other people's mode of being sometimes that it really gets me down. 
and you can't focus on that stuff though it'll eat you up I, I especially get, right now i get that with all but the sometimes stuff going on. sometimes it's fuel and sometimes by embracing that point. hate like i don't know it it can give me motivation sometimes like when i'm struggling it's like because you'll never you'll never show up your haters i mean they're haters because they're not doers but you, you know sometimes when you're going through kind of a flat spot you need fuel and if it's not sunshine and, and unicorns by god let 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 it be fueled by hate as long as you make it productive yeah, and sometimes it gives happen. you an example of what not to do oh okay, exactly i don't want to be that type of person yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's ugly, and it, and it. But you know what? All the people I've met on through YouTube and Instagram, I have met some of my favorite people in the whole world. Even though they're like these long distance relationships, um, where I, you know, I have I like uh, Jesse Allison from Mountain Prevail, right? I love uh, him. He was on. I love him too. He was uh, on the like our second episode, I think, and uh, he called me today. Out of the blue, just called and said, like, hey, uh, just checking in, and we just discussed some business stuff and whatever. And uh, he's doing awesome, by the way. And uh, in in my world down here in South Florida, yeah, you know, it's, it's a little uh, more on the retirement side down here. And, uh, you know, everybody is a little older. And, and, and to be honest, I don't I don't connect with a lot of people. It's just not I connect with a certain type of people and there's not a lot of those types of people around. So um, by casting a wide net on YouTube, uh, I've kind of found my like little core group of people that I like to like chill with and anybody I can just ask anything and they'll, they'll answer me, you know, and answer a question or, or whatever. And I do the same for them. So I, I love that about YouTube and I, and, and social media in general, because some, like you say, Trent, sometimes we feel more disconnected, but, uh, truthfully, I found some really cool, genuine, sincere friendships through that, um, through those different types of mediums so oh but i but, i think uh, i think what you're talking about that's that's the proper way to use it what i mean by the disconnected is you know it's it's people it, are living through it and yeah not when they're living, living through it you know they're living vicariously or they're taking all those hateful mean comments to heart like that's the that's what disconnects you when you find your audience or you find your 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 crew that to me is the positive side of social media and, yeah. and it's, and it's not, out there yeah and it's 90 percent. i would say it's like 95 percent positive yeah. and like five percent negative so like but like you said uh jay it's like it, man those comments grow on you and they, they you can know, oh it can but it can you know you, you are right like the bulk of the people on there are just trying to learn and uh and that's one thing i try to make sure that i do is uh answer like every question or comment that I get or a DM. Sure. You know, just because it's kind of, it's part of the deal. You know, you're, you're trying to be part of a kind of a learning community of, in my case, knife makers for the most part. And if someone has questions, uh, I'll try to answer them to the best of my ability. You know, yeah, you know, you sometimes they could have done a little more research before the questions they ask, but you know, that's just part of the game. Sometimes they're so, they don't even know what to ask. They're, they don't know so much. So that's a, that's a great point, James. I did. I didn't even, I mean, I realized it, but I guess I didn't let that sit at the front of my brain because, you know, like I brought up the change in the window motor, you know, I, I'm sitting here, I, you know, 
I'm kind of an asshole sometimes, and I'm sitting here like, God, you know, sometimes. if you don't know how to do this, why are you even asking questions? It's like, well, duh. If they don't ask questions, they're never going to be able to do this. Yeah, I I, I agree. I've, I've had so many instances where I'm like, I could Google this, but I know somebody would know real quick and kind of give me an open door dialogue about whatever it is. And um, and it also gives me an excuse to connect with the person again, you know, through that. Um, I, I don't know who it was that said this, but like if you want people to get on your side, I think it was Dale Carnegie actually uh, said, if you want people to um, uh, root for you, ask them for a favor. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard mm-hmm. of that? Like where you, you, you ask somebody for a favor and it's almost like the reverse psychology of it is like they helped you get somewhere. So they now have an, like an ownership, some interest in what you're doing. Yes. It's kind of cool. And I love that, that we can do that. The maker community is just like that. You can find anybody anywhere that'll help you. Um, one of the guys that um, helped me initially build my first grinder, his name is Mike Lavalley. And uh, he's uh, he's a uh, lives in Fort Polk, uh, Louisiana, and uh, he's a prolific knife maker. Uh, he's his primary job is in uh, in the military. He's a first class lieutenant, I think, and he, he he's on base there, Fort Polk. And um, but he makes knives in his garage. This dude would literally call me through. You know, I didn't even know this was possible, but Instagram has that video call thing. And one one night I was working on my grinder, I was messaging him and asking him a few questions. And all of a sudden my phone just started ringing and it was him. And he talked me through a bunch of different things, like uh, the you know all the little nuances of tracking and understanding how that works. And uh, we stayed in contact throughout the, the last year. And um, and actually the, the grinder that you're watching me build on Instagram and on uh, YouTube is for him. I'm actually giving it to him. I built it and, uh, and nice. uh, assembled it because Homeboy is producing amazing knives out of his garage. But he's using uh, all of his grinders are hand built by him. And they're they're basically um, DC motors that he's got a bunch of filters running through them, and they're tre- you know they're treadmill motors essentially, and they're and they're all all of his frames are made out of um, old weight benches, you know that he scrapped from something, and uh, they don't turn, you know they're not a horizontal grinder, but the guy makes like this um, these amazing pieces. Uh, so if you if you're interested in finding his work, uh, you can go uh, on Instagram. It's at uh, Mike Lavalley, and that's L E V A L L E Y. Mike Lavalley, and um, his stuff is amazing. I'm sure you've seen it. I just want to interject there for the audience that may not appreciate this. James, you're a neighbor to Louisiana. He's making knives in a hot, humid, disgusting environment. Like that's dedication. Oh yeah. I actually grew up in Louisiana, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's pretty humid out there. I, I spent, sure. I spent time down in uh, uh, Fort Polk at JRTC. Oh my God, that was literally that was so much worse than airborne garage. school. What? Yeah, and he's he's a he has a forge too. Yeah, so he's like, forging and he's making Damascus. The dedication, the dedication, yeah. is off the hook. Yeah. Yeah, it's off the hook, and that and that's why I, not number one. I want to support Mike's work by giving him a grinder because he helped me build my first one, and that was that's it, you know. And he keeps saying to me, "Oh, I got to send you something. Let me say." And I'm like, "Mike, you don't, man. Like, I don't. This, you don't understand that you helped me in a time when I needed it, and you were very, cl- you know, you you gave me a lot of uh, of help. And also, I love his work. His again, it's like the art of craftsmanship, Dustin and Devin." 
I love their work and I want to support them. And that's how I know how to do it. It's like, uh, you know, this is my gift to him. And, and, um, and he is just, he said, and not only that, he's just like an amazing dude. I mean, he's just a nice guy, like straight up. If I have any questions about heat treating, bevels, anything, I, I just call him and go, hey, I'm working on something. What, you know, how, how do I do this? And he'll tell me. And, and he'll tell me in a non-derogatory way. He's just super kind. So You know, that's how it kind of used to be, though. I mean, you think about it like we have lost some things as time marches on, but I feel like the generation before us, for sure, they had that mentality, or at least at least before me, uh, they had that mentality to to help each other out. And, uh, I grew up in a mechanic shop. Uh, my mom and my dad ran that shop. And my dad would take calls, you know, stop what he was doing, take calls and help a customer work through an issue on their vehicle. And, uh, you know, I think that's kind of an old school way. Nowadays, they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't sit with you for 30 minutes on the phone being like, you know, because why do that when they could come in and give you business? You know, I think it's kind of a different mentality, especially when they're dealing with people who are are like fellow mechanics or in our case, fellow knife makers. They'll spend the time because they really want to get the knowledge out there and share it. So uh, I think that's kind of a kind of a blast from the past. Yeah, sort it's, of a, way. it's a cool mindset and uh, I'm not used to it either. And, and that's how I run my tech business, by the way. Like my day job is in tech support and we, we have a computer repair shop. And uh, we spend time like that on, on the phone with our customers all the time. And and we do it uh, because uh, in my mindset, I use the 80-20 rule with business. You get 80% of your business from 20% of your customers. And the uh, it's easier to keep a customer than to get a new one. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just told my guys this. Hey, look, if somebody calls, they've spent money in the shop. You know, we have a system now they can open up like, you know, a, a thing where they, it'll show the person's history and uh, you know we, we have some people that you know over the years have spent a significant amount of money giving them stuff you know they'll, they'll keep spending money with us if, if we give them things and that's how we do it that's my philosophy in business all right customer, so, customer service goes a long way too oh, especially dude. in 2020 yeah. oh totally because it's such a thing of the past when people exactly. go people go oh, oh you're gonna help me oh my god that's so great especially now with COVID and everything we're doing a lot of remote work and, and you know we we don't do a lot of it for free, but we do give discounts and, you know, we make sure people get handled in, in a timely fashion. So anyhow, listen. All right. So we are 45 minutes into this conversation, which it doesn't even feel like that it feels like five minutes, to be honest. I wanted to uh, just briefly talk about what we have going on in our workshops. And uh, I know Trent's got a lot going on. I've got some things going on. And James, I assume you have some things going on as well. Would you like to kick it off? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I have a, uh, so actually I just finished a few things up. I finished up recently a uh, kind of a bushcrafty knife uh, build along with a leather sheath that I'll be throwing up there Friday. But it's uh, it was a little bit of a departure for me because most of the time, uh, for two, two, two reasons, a lot of times I make Kydex sheaths because I'm not very confident with my leather work. So making a leather sheath, uh, I've been getting a little bit better at that. So it's a little departure from my norm and and also on this one, I did a Coke bottle uh, contoured handle, which is also kind of new for me. So um, like keeping with the theme of what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to push myself to do different things. And uh, so that's, you know, that's kind of what I've been working on lately. Uh, going forward, you know, I have, uh, I want to do some more forging work. So uh, the last forge video I did, I, I made a, 
I made just like a hunter and it was the first uh, hidden tank forge knife that I have made. So I want to do a couple more of those and I really need to up my game when it comes to the guard fit and things like that. But I've been trying to learn from uh, Kyle Royer. Uh, his techniques are really precise and he puts a lot of time and effort in getting everything to fit up good. So I'm trying to learn from him and, and get my process down pat. So that's what's coming up for me and those are kind of the things that I'm working on. You also have a giveaway going on because so the, this podcast right now we're recording it on a Wednesday night, but it'll go up tomorrow morning actually. So it'll be in time for your giveaway, right? right? Cool. Yeah. You know, I got one in Friday. Yeah. That, so that uh, my most recent video, the one I posted last week was a deadlift challenge and I, you know, made a knife in a day, which is always a challenge. And then I threw on uh, 50 deadlifts. And the goal was to kind of see what I can accomplish in a day. You know, that was kind of the, the idea was a lot of times I get to a stopping point and I'm okay with it. And I just quit for the day or I slow myself down. And I really wanted to see, okay, you know, if I take the bumpers off, so to speak, what am I capable of accomplishing in a day's worth of work? And I think it will open me up in the future to get more done. So that was kind of the thought process I had going on there. So I did that challenge. It took me 10 hours and 45 minutes, and I decided to make a giveaway with that knife. So that giveaway will end Friday. So what are what's the what do I have to do if I want to get involved in the giveaway? Yeah, so it's uh, just a video description uh, on YouTube. So uh, there's a link in the video description. The link is also in my bio on Instagram. Uh, but I'm trying out that uh, that website called Gleam. It's the first time I've tried them, and I've seen a couple of giveaways run through their site, and it seems pretty smooth, but uh, you can enter multiple times and uh, even daily, I think, to get more entries. But, uh, yeah, you can go click on the link in the video description and get it entered. And if we want to find you on Instagram, how do we do that? Okay, yeah, I'm on uh, Redbeard Ops on pretty much every platform. So Instagram, Facebook. I'm with Trent there. I don't really care for Facebook too much. I don't like the, the, the format of the site or anything like that, but I definitely got on it for this Redbeard Ops deal. And uh, so I'm on, I'm on Facebook and, uh, you know, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all as uh, Redbeard Ops. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And I, I have no idea why you would call it Redbeard Ops. I have no idea. There's like, wait, oh, yeah. oh, that's right. You have a huge red beard. <laughs> yeah, it's a little, little bit of a calling card. <laughs> yeah, right on, man. Yeah, for sure. No, I love yeah, it. My, yeah, I've, I've been following you since you were Jake Heaton Knives, and then you went through the transformation into Redbeard Ops. Oh, and, I appreciate that. Yeah, the, and, you know, the reason I did that is, and I think we talked about it at the time, it just kind of opens opens me up to some other avenues down the road and, I don't want to be completely pigeonholed as just a knife making challenge. Even, I'm sorry, knife making channel, even though that's most of what I do. Uh, I want to have the option in the future if I want to do some restorations, if I want to do uh, maybe some firearm related content, I would love to be able to branch out in the future if I wanted to. So that's one reason why I switched it up. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I, I you know, my, my channel when uh, I, I was a, a boat captain, uh, in my previous life and um, and I got sick and I couldn't do it anymore so I was like you know I gotta change my channel name and um, my wife goes you know you should call it like housework and I was like what do you mean like like I'm like I'm mopping the floor or whatever she's <laughs> like no 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 like you know put a slash in there because like it's like your last name is house and then you've got all the work that you do 
And I was like, oh, that's kind of ingenious. It's, it's perfect. It's yeah, perfect. it's kind of ingenious. And, it, and then she designed a whole bunch of cool stuff for me and, you know, the logo and all. So, yeah, yeah. Ops, uh, Ops was my wife's idea, too. So I, I guess they're better at this than we Ah, <laughs> okay. I, I was going to ask you where it came from. Yeah, so, so yeah, just op- operations, you know. Sure. I, I, yeah. I'm in the oil and gas industry, so we have a bunch of uh, groups that are operation groups. And I, I see it as just a general operations of my shop. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, that's... Trent was in the oil and gas industry as well, I think, up in uh, Wyoming for a little bit. He made tooling. Oh, yeah. yeah, finishing tools and downhole tools. It's a wild industry. My my brother's actually a wireline mechanic. There's a lot of hands-on people in the oil field too. So oh yeah, that's you know that's one reason why I made that. Uh, I made a video a while back that was a rod pump knife using sucker rod making a knife and. That was actually one of my more popular videos just because of, I think there's a bunch of oil filters the, yeah, the, out there making knives. The yeah. only downside to that for me is like, have you ever thrown a Gauss meter on those? No, yeah, they're a little, they're a little radioactive. Yeah, just yeah, a little bit. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's low levels. <laughs> He's like, yeah, my uh, teeth glow in the, in the middle of the night uh, now. Well, so, normal, yeah, normally I wouldn't worry about it, that. but grinding on that shit, that's when it, yeah, you're gonna release. Some I, and, of and I'm not trying to tear down anything you did, James. Oh, yeah, I'm just, I'm trying to get I, other I really people to think through that. You know, it's like if you do grind that stuff, make sure you got good ventilation and and dust control and all that. That way, you're not dosing yourself. For sure, and you know the numbers that I've always seen have been pretty low, but I am by far a complete expert on that. So, I, well, it's, it's I don't know if I did any long lasting damage or not. It's, it's your load. <laughs> like if, if all you did was sucker rod knives, then I'd worry oh, yeah. about you, but you know, in, incidental before but, he started doing that, his beard was black. <laughs> now it's red. And hey, I'll tell you what, math. that stuff is tough to work with. Oh yeah. I mean, it's a very, when you're hammering it, it's very dense and uh, I think uh, from what I've seen online, it makes pretty good tools like forge tools, drifts, yep. punches, things like that. You, you want you want a real challenge? Find yourself some waspaloy, or waspaloy, or hastaloy. That that'll give you a whole new appreciation for tough uh, tough metals. Man, I don't know if I need any challenges like that in my life. I was just gonna say he's got plenty of challenges. I mean, if you watch his channel, I mean, you're, you're always pushing yourself, which I really like, and uh, I, and I. 100% know how much time and dedication you have put into your channel and it's um it's uh, I I salute you sir you're doing a great job and well, I and, appreciate that yeah. Brian you know yeah. a lot of it is uh it's just fun to do too you know yeah. I mean it, it's a passion. part of the hobby for me is actually creating the content so I enjoy the editing process uh, and it shows and it like shows that. it really does can i you can i send you my stuff that. to you for you to do so <laughs> enjoy it? i don't enjoy it that much okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right so but, that 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 leads me into you trent i know you got some stuff going on because i've seen some of your youtube videos you actually had asked me what I, what you thought what i thought of your your work and and I, I had another conversation with someone else who um was in one of my business mentoring groups they're like Hey, how does this YouTube thing work? And and my first uh, sort of take on when if anybody asks me if they want to get into YouTube, I say make a hundred terrible videos. That's it. Just keep pumping out. Not saying your work is terrible. No, my my work is terrible. I have no qualms. It, it's a beginning. 
Damn, that was brutal, bro. It was it was brutal a little bit. I no, his work's not terrible, but it's like don't overthink it. Just continue to push stuff out and learn as you go. Because if 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 I just sat down and you probably know this too, James, if you just sat down and said, "Well, I'm not going to put anything out that isn't like up to my standard," nothing would ever get pushed out. You 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 wouldn't be uh, uh, you wouldn't be able to produce anything because it would just paralysis by analysis so and and that's actually why i'm posting my terrible videos is because i i know that if i if i get stuck and go down that rabbit hole i'll never get started so i'm just throwing shit out there seeing what sticks i'm you know i i've got guys like you i've got the art of craftsmanship and you guys are giving me these these really basic clues but they're really helping like you know lighting i'm i'm still working on lighting but i think i've got a better idea for the next video i'm going to release and framing i mean it's so obvious but like i just kind of got it in frame and the art of craftsmanship's like okay you're doing really good all you gotta do is just even if you have to adjust the camera while you're filming just go ahead and do that and you know that way we get to see the whole picture and i'm like okay yeah yeah, you know i mean it's it's obvious because i hate when you know they're talking about something and and the thing they're talking about is just out of frame and you're like i don't have a clue what they're referencing because i can't see it it's super annoying like somebody saying like hey you got to do this but the camera's like five feet away (laughs) and you can't see it you know yeah i I have a lot of shots like that in some of my videos where i use a long lens and i just like you're basically right on top of whatever i'm doing and i get the majority of people that comment go i I never knew that's how a tapped uh, a tap worked you know or whatever and until i saw it really up close in one of your videos and and uh so it does help yeah framing and everything by the way that's devin probably commenting on that and uh devin's like got a i don't know like he's got like a phd in film from nyu or something so he's he's the guy to listen to yeah for sure. i'm i'm you know i'm not even at the 101 level i'm probably at the remedial level so i'll take any advice right now and i'll try to I'll try to process it and I'll try to implement it and I'll just build on these little baby steps because yeah, you're documenting what you're, yeah. you're documenting your journey and that's what people, because ultimately your channel is going to be about the, the, um, the Trent aspect of it. People are going to buy in because of, of you, because you're interesting and you have an interesting perspective. And that's why, like when I will listen to your videos or watch your videos, I'm like, he's just got such an interesting take on what he's talking and you're very knowledgeable so it helps me learn things even though the like the cinematography is not the greatest but it to me it, it i'm learning which is hey that's like awesome right yeah i mean if you don't go back six months and cringe at your videos <laughs> yeah, you're doing then you're not wrong. doing something right I, that's right something. i only have to go back six days <laughs> yeah i mean Hey, and there's truth to that i mean i go back just a couple videos sometimes and i'm like man i really wish i would have done something different so uh, there, you get better as you go, like significantly better. If I was, you know, to the point though, if I was given some advice and it may be unsolicited, but if I was given advice, I would tell someone, or I would tell me two years ago to start off editing in DaVinci Resolve. It's free, it's powerful. Um, you don't have to pay for a license and it has very good color grading ability. Uh, that's probably one piece of advice I'd give new maker, new YouTubers just because can I use they don't it, want to pay for anything. Can I use it on a Chromebook though? Yes. Okay. Awesome. Because I'm on PC, but you can use it on Chrome. Okay. Because Brian and I were kind of talking about this, and I totally get his his viewpoint. But like, I don't want a laptop in the shop because there's grit and grime and shit that I don't want 
in my computer. And two, I really don't like, uh, like if I buy software, I want to be able to keep it. I don't want it updating. You want a subscription. Yeah, yeah. I don't want a subscription. But if, I, if you know, because a, a lot of Chromebooks, well, I think all of them, unless you're running one of the uh, Linux uh, beta shit, uh, you can't download you can't download software on them so i'm i'm trying to find cloud-based stuff because right now uh and i i probably sound like a total tech uh luddite here but uh chromebook chromebook works for me because there's not a lot of garbage yeah i get you know the whole invasion of privacy with google and and a lot of their stuff but i don't care because i i don't keep anything that uh, important or personal on my Chromebook. My Chromebook is literally to, you know, watch videos or or send some emails or whatever. You know, I could have misspoke there, Trent. It actually it runs on Mac, Windows, and Linux. So damn it, uh, I'm not sure if it run on a Chromebook. Or well, I I can try it out because it does allow like a beta Linux kernel. But then you then you're so deep in the weeds. Like I'm just not a I'm not a a Linux guy, but I'm just trying to stay away from windows because I, 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 I did windows for a long time. I hate how they're constantly updating and they're constantly like, Oh, Hey, we're going to screw up a perfect, you know, we took 10 years to get this interface working. We're going to screw it all up and give you a whole new interface. And, you know, and I, I, I get that. I get that, you know, these are the standards, but I'm like, I can't buy into the Apple ecosystem because I don't think their products are that good for the money that they charge. I'm definitely a bang for the buck kind of guy. Uh, I only yeah, have I mean, Apple equipment because it's it was somebody you know dropped it off at the shop and then didn't want to pay pay to have it fixed. You know, so I fixed it and and uh, use it myself. But I I use like a ten year old MacBook Air to record uh, like this podcast and all, and it works great. But you know, I I would never pay three thousand dollars like what they paid Pretty for. Expensive. It. Yeah, yeah. It's not like a hard rule I was putting out there for people. I'm just saying uh, if you're looking at getting into the game for like no what was cost the, for software, what was the name of the software you said? Da Vinci. It was? It's Da Vinci Resolve. They do a bunch of uh, okay. cinematography work with it. It's like movies and things of that nature. I know Final Cut Pro is kind of the 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 standard, I guess, but there's a lot of features that are cross compatible and okay. Uh, the color grading ability is really good if you're into that kind of stuff. You know, I, I do. I mean, it just kind of gives you a little window into my editing process. I, I edit the whole video together. I'll do my voiceover and try to get my audio good and put in my, you know, animations and things of that nature. But after I do all that, I go through each clip and try to grade the, the clips and I give them uh, exposure correction to, to keep all the, you know, I don't want to blow out any clips. I also sharpen some of them a little bit, especially if I'm dealing with uh, up close shots on working with uh, like tools and things of that nature, I'll try to sharpen them. So, you know, I guess that's just me nerding out a little bit on the process, but no, that's, um, I, I think that's, let me get my thoughts together. That's good stuff. Um, I appreciate that. It's that for someone like me who I'm, I'm pretty stubborn. Um, and I, what I don't want to do is start getting comfortable with something and have it change on me. And I know that change is part of life, but it's like, 
you know, un- until I'm until I'm ready to upgrade, I don't like that shit being forced on me. No, I don't blame you, dude. When I the first uh, when I first started editing videos, I was only I was using my iPhone as a camera, right? Right. And I found some free video editing software, and I found after one or two videos that it was very limited, so I had to go learn something else. And it took that, that's why I brought it up because it took me a while to kind of land on on something that's uh, that's a good system that is widely used. So if you're using DaVinci or if you're using uh, Final Cut Pro, I mean both of them. They have great support. I think I think that's excellent advice, especially for somebody who might have some aspirations. I'm, and I probably will get what you, there. What I'm are just, you using now, Trent? Huh? What you, like, how do you edit your videos now? Oh, like what, I, I do it the old-fashioned way. I pause and then I pick it back up. Oh, like so there's not a lot of editing. No, there. The yeah, all my editing is like using my. Well. I can't say using my brain, but it's like point and click. Yeah, yeah. And like no, think you. thinking trying to think through like that uh the last video I did where I did my quote unquote movie magic. That that was literally just okay, <laughs> you know, I need to do this and it's gonna be awkward if I sit there and fill it with thirty seconds of me fumble fucking around with this box. Yeah. Or I can, you know, pause it, do whatever I need to do, put the box back on top snap my fingers you know <laughs> it's good it worked yeah i liked it it worked it, it does make I, me wonder sometimes if i'm spinning my wheels doing the editing i i enjoy doing it and I, I like it when it's at a high production value but on the flip side if the content's not there it doesn't matter yeah the know? content's well can, yeah that gets back to your audience thing though there are i have not realized un, until watching more of the better produced uh channels like like your guys's uh Holy shit! There's a lot of uh, video snobs out there. They oh, they yeah. care more about the framing and the lighting and the after effects than they do the project itself. Yeah, o- audio so, too. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah audio. audio. Yeah, if and audio I, I almost sucks, don't blame them. I almost yeah, I don't agree. blame them on audio because every once in a while you'll watch a video and the audio is just abysmal and you're trying to hear what they're doing and you can't. The music's too loud in the background. Well, and, and I get yeah. that, but it's also a bullshit attitude to be like, oh, hey, well, uh, you know, this uh, $150 million uh, budget Hollywood movie that I can pick up on DVD for five ninety nine. you know, they've got a much better production value than, uh, you know, one guy <laughs> who's doing all the work and the editing and, the, you know, it's like, fuck you yeah <laughs> yeah I, I get i get that uh, my last video that i made the welding table somebody said well I, I can't watch this because a lot of this is handheld like, <laughs> like i was i was hand holding the camera because i started doing like have you ever watched a michael style. bay film yeah and i was just like i I gotta bow out of this one i can't i can't even argue with this guy he's right but i was like you know i'm I'm trying to do a little more documentation of my process of what i'm thinking and i involved my instagram followers in the decision making and it it turned into a really cool collaboration i mean it was it but it it was shot on my iPhone 11 and, and, and I love my iPhone 11 camera. It's great. It's unbelievable, I, but I can't get the shots like I can with my Canon. You know, I do want to say to both Brian and James, you guys have really good production value. I, I would love to get 10% of that because if you watch any of my videos, uh, especially the first uh, six or seven, they're all handheld. Um, so I'm shaky and I didn't use the stimulus or the, 
the what do you call it the stabilization or whatever right um and then i'm struggling with trying to find lighting like my wife suggests because she does photography she suggested oh go outside well it's like uh, well i've got variable i've got variable light out there and i've got a crappy three-year-old smartphone that doesn't have the best uh like it it just doesn't react fast enough to changing light to like adjust the the balance yeah and so i'm i'm kind of settling on i'll either uh do some more videos on her craft table because i can backlight it or not backlight it i can front light it and uh i i actually have my tripod set up on the ceiling so it hangs down so i don't have that casting a shadow i've just got to figure out my light placement so i'm working on it but yeah it's a whole different it's a whole different thought process and a whole different um it's a whole different yeah it's it's nothing there the only similarity between it and anything else i do is that uh it's documenting what i do it's not yeah it's not intuitive really i mean for me it's not i always think of it like if dexter was with me all the time i would be at like i sort of like use that as my my balance like i think about it in terms of like how would i explain it to my 14 year old mm-hmm. and that's how i kind of approach it and and then i also thought uh my channel would be like a really great document thing for my boys to watch if something were to happen to me yeah like if i if if i were to die and you know whatever they could go back and kind of watch my process and and way to go dark there well (laughs) you know it is kind of a thing but yeah it is dark i know it's morbid but i i think like it would be great like if i had that uh my dad's still alive and i can obviously talk to him anytime but it's like uh i wish i had some of those those memories you know on on camera back then and and it would be great well a lot of share that a lot of just kind of a tangent to that is a lot of my friends who are still in the military although we're we're getting to the point where we're all starting to retire but yeah before deployments or things like that they would always do short little videos just so that if anything happened their their kids would have some kind of a a tangible i guess yeah yeah of course yeah i actually um, wanted to talk a little bit about what i had going on this week um i've i've stepped away from doing machine prototyping and welding and a bunch of other stuff to actually get into some of the fun stuff so i've been working on the um on handles this week i i had uh three hog splitters that were sold that i needed to get out the door and your kitchen knife too right uh yeah i did and um and and the kitchen knife i finished that and the um i've got actually got two of those uh that were in various stage three of them that were in various stages that are all now in final completion and then um the hog splitters the hog splitters take so long because the handles are so long you know they're just like you know they're it's a 24 inch overall piece and then uh the handle itself is like i don't know well the good the good thing is that they can also double as a paddle if you were really up shit creek yeah absolutely you can you can you could uh signal an airplane too with them. i mean they're just they're just on um, this big beefy thing and what you know how it works when you sell a knife or or anything uh that person that buys it you know posts about it on social media or uses it at a party or whatever and then you know <laughs> 
like my pieces, the the hog splitters in particular are not for everybody, and you know, but they're a very unique piece. I would and, I would love to go to the party where somebody brings one of those. Yeah, well, that's what happened. You know, the guy's cutting steaks, you know, with it, and somebody goes, "What the hell is that?" And he's like, "Dude, I bought it from a guy up the street, and whatever else." So then I sell three more of them, you know. So, um, and I've been working with stabilizing wood, and uh, a while back I had found a really cool uh, down cypress tree in uh, in the swamp behind my house. I remember that. That's the first time I saw Mac. Yeah, yeah. My dog came with me, and we went out there and like you know cut up this big log, and and then I processed it here, kiln dried it, and then stabilized it uh, in my vacuum chamber using um, uh, 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 what's that stuff? Cactus juice, and uh, and on the Turntex website, there's some really cool stuff on there. They actually recommend like if you want to color the the cactus juice, you can do it with alumalite uh, dyes. So I was like, you know what? It, that cypress is really, uh, it's like light. It's like a, it's a pine. It's a softwood. Right. So you can't really use it as a handle for anything unless you stabilize it. So I was like, you know what? I want to find out what this would look like if I soaked it and uh, stabilized it in black uh, dye. You know, and um, I'd done that with some curly maple, and it turned out pretty good. But curly maple doesn't have big openings it's the cell structure in maple is it's a hardwood so there's you know not a lot of room for the dye to go up in it creates a cool uh look but what happened with the cypress is it soaks up so much of it so much of that black dye uh it, it created like these really cool striations in the wood like these dark striations if you go on my instagram you can check out some pictures and video of it i just finished that uh that hog splitter today and uh it turned out really cool and i love the the different colors and cypress it's it's more of an orange it's like uh no i see it right now it looks awesome yeah it's it's like a it's a different kind of wood than i'm ever i've ever worked with you know and it's it's got a lot of uh even if you don't stabilize it uh cypress has a um they use it to make doors and trim and all kinds of things down here in Florida because it's a very readily available uh, tree, and they can you can make lumber and all kinds of stuff out of it. And uh, it doesn't rot. It's kind of like it's kind of like it does rot. It will rot if if you leave it long enough in water. But it, it it's kind of like cedar. You know, it's mm-hmm. light, but it doesn't have. Uh, doesn't melt away in water. You know, so it's it, it's uh, pretty rot resistant stuff from what I've seen. Yeah, I had some doors that were made uh, from it and that I got from a guy on Craigslist, and I used them on my shop doors for a long time at my other house. And those things were just like, they were two inches thick, cypress, and it, they just lasted forever. I mean, there was, they got wet all the time, and they never, they never rotted, so it was pretty cool. So that's what I've got going on. I'm, I'm working on handles. I figured, like, you know what, if I'm going to do one handle, I might as well just, I'm in that mindset, I might as well just continue on with handles and make handles and finish them and, and get these knives out the door. So that's what I'm doing this week and not doing any video work other than I'm producing um, my magnum opus which is this insanely long almost two hour long video uh of the complete assembly of the revolution and fabrication yeah that's probably going to be the best video on your channel yeah it'll it'll get yeah definitely will because what will happen is if you are 
if you don't want to buy my plans, you can go on there and watch that. And literally, I walk you through every step. Like every watch time is uh, watch time's key, and it sounds like it's going to be a long one. Yeah, you'll get a ton of watch time, and it's a very interesting topic that people are looking for. Yeah, because you not only learn how to build this cool grinder at the end, but it's a lot of metal fabrication stuff. You know, tapping and welding and cutting steel, and and so if you wanted to learn how to do any of those things, this build is actually really great. A primer, it, it's like at the end you have this really cool functional machine that you can do other things with, but uh, for the most most part it's got all the bare little ba- you know basic knowledge pieces that w- you can um, then go and build your own grinder or prototype your own thing or any machine and i use the laser cut parts so there's not a lot of i don't have to like hand cut and mill all of the pieces like i did when i built the prototype you know for that having all those pieces already pre-cut out it just makes it so much easier to build and it's more precise and everything so yeah so that's what i got going on and uh yeah and and uh, this uh last week we just surpassed twenty one thousand subscribers on my youtube channel nice which is like mind-blowing to me and uh pretty cool um and uh i and 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 i i really feel blessed every day so if you're a subscriber to my channel and you watch my work and and i really truly appreciate you thank you so much and uh gives me purpose and passion and makes me wake up every morning feeling like i've got something to do that is meaningful and um i love i love ever all the aspects of it so thank you so much for for doing that uh for me and allowing me to do this work i am really 20, 20 is a lot man 21 you said 22 yeah. 21 yeah 21 yeah we just went over we're, we're gaining about it's like it's it's over a thousand subscribers a month now so it's 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 kind of snowballing i, I haven't really seen the snowball effect like some of these i always ask people about that i'm sure you've seen it with the the surface grinder attachment Uh, and i asked the guys over at the art of craftsmanship the same thing because like when i met them like five months ago they were in twenty thousand twenty five thousand somewhere where i am right now and they're like eighty thousand subscribers now so they had a huge surge but Mm -hmm. it's because they do these like very versatile projects and they're shot really well and you know it's their channel appeals to a lot of there's a broad in my opinion there's more of a broad audience for them because you don't have to be a knife maker or a tool maker or a fabricator to to love the art of craftsmanship you can just be like anybody and and turn that channel on and get sucked into what Dustin is doing in his workshop and um, learn all about it. So uh, I, I have a little bit more of a niche as you do uh, mm-hmm. of a, of a client or a, of a viewer and uh, which that's my path. That's what I picked. And I, it's what I want to do anyway. So um, I'm, I hope people watch my channel just to kind of, you know, follow my, my maker goal, you know, my maker dreams of becoming a content creator and a businessman and all of that as well. So I kind of mix it all up, but uh, but, yeah, you know, I feel like uh, I feel like mine grows one semi-viral video at a time. Yeah, you know, that's where you see I see large spikes and watch time uh, views, subscribers, and then I kind of you know taper down to a base, and then I'll have another breakout video. That's kind of how mine seems to build. But the videos like you're talking about do the best are the ones that can 
uh, go out there to a larger audience for sure. Well, I have to say, James, that I'm responsible for at least three views of your uh, Surface Grinder hey, man, project. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate <laughs> yeah, it. That I was watched good it twice. That was too. great yeah. content. Yeah. I had and to watch it twice. That's one of those viral type videos because I think a, a large audience uh, likes Surface Grinders, if that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is about that tool, but I get asked at least once a day. Like, when are you going to design a surface grinder? People like flat things, man, Uh, especially knife makers. Yeah, they love that. And I guess it's a simple way, once you have the device, to achieve that, that, you know, thickness. Um, I, 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 I understand why people want them. I also, I don't know if... I don't know if I'll ever go down the road of like prototyping and then releasing plans again because it the amount of I didn't realize the amount of work it would be on the back end, you know. Once it's built and made, and then you start selling them, it turns into a whole other monster. So what speak. about uh, what about instead of uh, prototyping for people to build, or would you ever sell just straight attachments? I don't know. Maybe if I can find a, a manufacturer we, that we need to talk about this offline, them. Brian. Yeah, we should. I mean, it. it you know, there's. It, I one of the things that I have with my core uh, clientele and audience is trust. So that they, you know, if I build something, they know like, oh, it's going to be good. You know, it, it'll work. Uh, the problem with the, these types of ventures is they they grow in spurts, kind of like your channels growing. And then, you know, it's hard to support it. And not, not that I'm not supporting the Grinder project, because I am. I mean, I, I probably respond to 10 or 20 emails a day uh, from people. And, and I try to, like, answer their questions now in, like, a frequently asked questions portion of my website. So there's, you know, I can point them there and, you know, they can go there and stuff. But what, what it turns into is... Uh, you're almost like held hostage by the by the by the the project and and it's like niching me into this 2 by 72 world where and that's a great thing i it's a very profitable place to be but that's not really my i don't really want to be there all the time and you know jeremy from simple little life talks about this all the time he's like you know i i have to do other things than this and i i want to do other things than this but the, it's almost as if YouTube, the the viewership doesn't like it. You know, they don't want you mm-hmm. to go in that direction. Um, so, you know, you got to walk the line. You got to a little bit. And um, you know, I was kind of surprised when he split his channel. I, I, he put a he put a uh, poll out to split or stay, and I, I selfishly voted to stay as one channel. Yeah. Uh, just because I wanted to see it work. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I wanted to see him uh, break the mold on one channel because. I don't think, uh, you know, I don't think he would have lost subscribers. I, I could be way wrong about that, but uh, to me, it's his his channel seems so. Uh, what's the word? Like uh, fluid. I think. Yeah, yeah, he would have done such a good. I, I don't think there would have been a hiccup there because I think a lot of his followers follow for him, not just for knife making. And even the name of his channel was Simple Little Life. You know, it wasn't knife specific. So yeah, it was interesting move uh, that he made there. I think, I think he's thinking what a lot of us are thinking. Cause I, I see it in my metrics too. Like if I venture outside of my little niche, uh, I lose subscribers 
And I think he was trying to avoid that by giving people to go to another place where they could, um, where he felt comfortable. Because like it's almost like I want to produce a vlog, right? If if I want to produce a vlog, I feel like I'm annoying my subscribership uh, yeah, with it. You. you know, they didn't sign up for that. Yeah, what? because not you know not everybody wants to see. What's that. interesting is this: this actually feeds back into something we talked about before, uh, not only with YouTube but other things. Uh, humans are you know like your angry old machinists and stuff like that uh humans are funny creatures we we really like to label things and we like to put them in these neat little boxes and we don't like we don't like when they try to don't creep deviate. out of the box we put them in as if you know uh yep. but the the damn thing is that youtube reinforces that and it's like uh youtube uh i know that you're all powerful and all that but you don't even understand the, the the algorithm that you've created because your algorithm by nature is constantly redefining itself to try to so you're allowing this non-organic thing to drive supposed organic growth I, there's a lot of misconceptions about the algorithm and and i i've come to learn this through my own experience but it was also verified by a, a video that youtube put out not too long ago in the creator studio and what they they have a few metrics that they watch and the the algorithm really technically doesn't exist there isn't one it's just it's literally human behavior drives this and and they have a couple of metrics that sort of uh they they place weight on but other than that, it's it's really just human behavior. So what they're doing is they're mimicking the human human behavior by saying like, if you watch this video, so let's say um, I go to um, James uh, Redbeard Ops, I go and I watch one of his videos, and I watch like say seventy five percent of that video, or or even let's say it's a hundred percent of the video, and then the minute I uh, I see another video pop up on the right hand side of the screen, I click that and I watch that again for say sixty to seventy to eighty ninety percent whatever it is. Immediately, YouTube will say that he has good content, and it's because I verified that by watching his content all the way through, and then watching another piece of that content. It is a powerful mechanism because once you have that times, let's say, 100,000 individual users, they can really figure out who's creating content that is valuable and is if you think about YouTube in terms of all it is is an advertising platform they just want you to sit in front of a screen for as long as possible so they can advertise to you yeah. that is it they don't care about anything else you're creating the content for them to sell to advertisers and if you don't create content that can hold the attention of a human being for more than five minutes you're not going to succeed the, the problem the problem it's that simple, I have with simple it. equation it goes a little deeper. I mean, it's a little more philosophical. Uh, just like nobody wants Skynet to happen and nobody wants to turn over, like, say, the Defense Department over to computers. Uh, you know, I would say that by and large, human behavior is not always the... Uh, we don't always do the right thing. And then to say, well, the computer verified that this is human behavior. Like, th there's no, there's no. It's hard to argue that. There's no. Like, if you have it's working a, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's hard to argue. It, it, like, like when I go online and I look at the suggested videos, 
uh, they got me pegged pretty good. Yeah, me too. It's it's pretty wild how they can do it. It's 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 uh it's a little scary, honestly. But I also dislike it because I don't get I don't get like some of the new content from people I've never been exposed to. It's true, and I I really feel like because I have a wide range of things I watch. I, yeah. I love watching sailboat refit videos, mm-hmm. and not, you know, and that's but that's not everything. I don't want to just watch that. I want to watch that knife making, and I want to watch Wrangler Star do whatever he's doing over there. New, new and novel, and, and it, new and novel is fine. But I I I'm sorry, I. I hear what you're saying. I, I, I don't want to be pigeonholed either by the algorithm or for a computer to think it it knows me. Like you don't. Like oh, I like I'm a complicated do. well, <laughs> I mean I'm a complicated person. I think They're most people head. are more complicated than we're given credit for. No, you're absolutely right. I, I agree. And and I, I would have never gotten into knife making had I not found Alex Steele. I mean it was just like I don't even know how I came across one of his videos. It's probably just a suggested video, but I mean, I I like to say, and I'll say this publicly, and I hope I get to tell him to his face one day that Alex Steele is probably the reason why a majority of the community of knife makers exists because they got into it by watching him work and his passion, and he sort of made it like he's a young guy who worked and built something created a a buzz and he he basically took like an ancient technology and made it cool again and uh and he's not the only one but i think yeah maybe the people who watch youtube yeah yeah the youtube people for sure yeah yeah and fortune uh, fire i think has had a pretty oh yeah that's true yeah yeah you know it's for better or worse there's there's new and better equipment out there now but um it's also hard to find an anvil type deal you know I know, I know that came up in our last podcast. Yeah. Everybody's like looking for anvils; they can't find them. That are you know, it's like you want this anvil; it's like fifteen hundred bucks for a little tiny one, you know. <laughs> or it's but or Alex it's hammered cat selling. shit, and it needs you know a thousand dollars worth of work to the face to make it a workable yeah. anvil. Yeah, that's it. There are major advantages though, because there are a bunch of new equipment suppliers uh, that are catering to blacksmiths and nice knife makers. So. That's pretty cool. It is cool. It's cool to see an entire economy built up around something like and it, this. And it is and cool. I, that's I, awesome. I, I don't try to be – I in my own life, I'm not as much of a Luddite, I guess, as I let on. It's just your, – Your old man is showing. Yeah. Get off my lawn! <laughs> hey, you know, they've had some guys in the game for a long time, though. I mean, if you look at, like, Pop's Knife Supply. Yeah. You know, they've been in the game for a long time. Uh, Ed Caffrey uh, – I think I'm pronouncing his name right. The Master Smith dude. He's he put out DVDs like Walter Sorrels. I mean, I, I learned how to yeah, grind there too, yeah. from Walter. I mean, I watch his videos and uh, you know I learned how to freehand from him. You know, you know what actually got me into it was that movie uh, The Hunted. Oh kind of no, a, kidding! Yeah, I watched The Hunted and they make a knife in the woods or something and. I, I, that got me into it right there. Interesting. That's actually well, that's, that's cool. That's actually pretty cool that you brought that up, because I'm I'm always, uh, you know, the the movies that I do watch if they're not the horrible uh, B movies, uh, I I'm I'm drawn to like things that the characters do in there, and I know like some of it's window dressing, but uh, I remember this episode of Bonanza, and I, I didn't like that show, but. So there was, they had a gear for like a, a, I don't know, a mill that broke and they needed to recast this gear. And that 
stuck with me. I was probably 12 when I watched that episode. You're like, that's how it's done? That's crazy. Yeah, and so because of that, I actually took uh, art casting in college because it was the only way I could get some foundry experience. Well, MacGyver's the only reason I went into tech support because I, I loved MacGyver and I loved watching that show and how he would you know hack things essentially and I just fell in love with it and that was it doesn't take much to get influenced yeah for sure. that's it that's it all right guys so if you can imagine we've been talking at this thing for now an hour and a half and uh at the very last tail end of the podcast i like to do something with my uh my uh guest and i like to ask a question and that question is uh if you could meet anyone in history who would it be and why all right so i would probably choose uh probably ben franklin Oh. Be my guy, and I, the reason reason being is that guy was uh, he was always thinking. I read an autobiography of Ben Franklin, and the guy is uh, he'd be a very interesting gentleman to talk to. Not only because you know his scientific prowls and he was doing a bunch of interesting things at a time, uh, but also because he was he was known for being able to hold a conversation and be kind of a a very good gracious host and. Uh, even people who didn't like him would come into a situation with him, have a conversation, and then go back and write in their diary that he had they, he had they had a great time. You know, so he seems like a really good guy to talk to, and he was definitely thinking outside the box for his age. Not not only his age, I mean I mean like the age of the time. You know that he was living, and he also worked all the way pretty much until he died. So the guy uh, be a pretty interesting dude to meet. I like yeah, it. Yeah, he was a yeah, I he like was it. a um he was also like a an accomplished businessman. He was like a printer, like he had a, a newspaper. He was like a journal uh, not a journalist, but uh like he he basically had media and there's a whole lot of really cool stuff. Well, you're you're also forgetting the uh like the farmers almanac that he created. Yep. He was involved in that? He yeah, created that, huh? Yep. Uh, uh, poor uh, Poor Richard's almanac, uh, yep. Poor Richard, yeah. You know, also one thing that really stood out to me about him is he did a huge amount to frame the the quintessential American. So his ideology was to be industrial, you know, industrious, to have uh, to be a kind of middle class go getters, and I, I think he can be credited with uh, really pushing that not only in his writing at the printing press. Uh, but also in his correspondence with other founding fathers, he really put a lot of weight in it to the American go-getter spirit. And uh, I like that. Yeah, I like that too. I, we have, uh, th- this is for a whole nother conversation, but uh, Trent and I have discussed this many times about capitalism, you know, and, and uh, uh, for, for those of you who have followed me for a long time, you know, I'm a capitalist at heart. And uh, I have these conversations with people because um People like to sort of uh, twist uh, the knife a little bit on capitalism because, you know, they don't agree with everything. And, of course, there's no perfect system out there. But my argument for capitalism is is there's no other system in the world in any time in history that has brought more people up and out of poverty than capitalism. It is 
it is the uh, most efficient way of doing so because you know we that's really ultimately why we build these systems that's why communism exists and socialism exists and and capitalism was a way to sort of give people freedom to go and do things and then also give them the fertile ground to create it and then uh, you know profit from it as a means of motivation and you know the trickle down economics theory and Reaganomics and all that you know I know there's flaws there we have you know some major uh, offset in income versus you know people hoarding money and all of this but for the most part we are rising our society up uh, out of poverty that's what we it's been designed to do and there's no better country in the world than the United States to do it in and that's why we are the land of opportunity people come here to uh, to build businesses to create things because if you've ever traveled out of the United States you can you can like talk openly about how difficult it is in some of these other um, these other settings these other countries because of uh, what, whatever it might be their, their system is not set up the same way as our system and um, when I, I talk about uh, you know building a business being a, a, a maker being an industrial just industrial tool maker whatever it is that I want to do with my life America has all of those core things already built into it the road system the shipping system how we work and move together all of those things are already in place for guys like me who will generally want to do it can do it we can step up and do it and uh i think that's taken for granted a little bit from some people because they like to look at it and go oh you just want to be a millionaire you just want to do this no money believe it or not is not my sole driving force for a lot of the things that i do uh money is nice money is great but once you hit a certain amount of it and you get a certain amount of it you realize how it it, it cannot make you happy so you know, it's, you it's really easy. It's really easy to throw stones at a system that has done so well when times are as good as they are. Yeah. Like right now, people don't have. I mean, we live in the freest country in the world, and uh, you know, people are even the people who are in situations that are worse off are still better off than the rest of the world. So we have it so good that we're kind of making mountains out of molehills. Uh, I think. Yeah. Yeah. We have to we have to now start looking at the positives. And, uh, you know, I I like change and I think we do need some change in this country. There's a lot of things that are wrong with it. Uh, But if, you know, my heart is red, white and blue, man, it's it's just it just is. And I love this country and and I'm a definite uh, you can call me a capitalist patriot because that's what I am. I love I love America. I I love America, too. I uh Part of what you said made me a little misty-eyed there, Brian. But uh, yeah, no kidding, you know. Then there's I didn't the, think you were capable of that. There's the uh, the other side, and I'm not trying to get in an argument or whatever. It's just uh, I, I think I'm more. Uh, I'm not anti-capitalist, but I'm more small business. I'm less big business. Uh, there, which is capitalism i mean small businesses are what this well this no because when people think capitalism they think google they don't think they don't think the small one-man shop it. downtown sure that's a part well, of it yeah. you know amazon started in a garage they did apple did too yeah well so did google i mean i i shop a lot at amazon so there's a little bit of guilt there because you know i i know it seems like everybody's got the chance to choose they really you're you're really limited on some of the opportunities that some of us are 
provided with and i don't want to say the opportunities don't exist by any stretch of the imagination and i'm not trying to tear down the system i just i think that when people themselves have a little bit of success they don't understand you know a lot of this a lot of this comes from we don't understand the other person's perspective and sometimes we don't realize how fortunate and blessed we are in our own lives and that other people don't have those same it's one thing to say everybody's got opportunity i can call bullshit on that and i can give you lots of examples and i know that that's not the best way to argue but that's what i've got to go on yeah i the the book the outliers by malcolm gladwell changed my perspective on luck and uh, you know he he, he basically kind of comes up with the the idea that um we're all a product of our proximity, you know, mm-hmm. and what we're close to and stuff. So you're definitely right about that. But the way that I think the United States is doing it, the way we are doing it here in this country is that we are trying to give everyone that same proximity. We are working towards bringing that that li- that layer, that low layer of proximity yeah. that, that we have. We're trying to always bring it up a little bit more that, and more and more. And I think that's what I want, not only through doing. this podcast, but like when I interact on Instagram, or YouTube with people. I try to be supportive. I try to be in a little way. I I try to be part of that community and part of that network that can tell them you can do it and that I'm here to support you and that I've got your back, whatever little bit I can contribute because I think that the equality of opportunity is the important thing, not the equality of outcome. Yeah, And I would like to give, you know, Everyone from from guys like Brian to the art of craftsmanship to James, you know, Jesse, all you wonderful people that I've managed to meet through this uh, is all because of the the social media and the fact that you guys are willing to put yourselves out there. But I also want to let other people know whether they're in the audience or they haven't heard this podcast yet or they they may discover it in the future. I want you to know. I support you, not just, you know, hopes and dreams or hopes and prayers, but I genuinely support you because I think that if we have more people who the the hardest part is taking that first step, it's it's being willing to expose yourself to the risk of failure. But I want you to know that if you if you keep trying, there are going to be people like me and people like Brian and people like James. We got your back. Absolutely, one hundred percent. So, Brian, the real question is: uh, When are you going to start selling these grinders on Amazon? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I uh, I don't know. I don't think that's happening anytime soon. It's they're pretty expensive to ship. <laughs> that's a pretty heavy piece of equipment. Well, you but, need uh, you do need to just start making them out of MDF, like uh, IKEA flat packs. Yeah, yeah. No, I I thought about it. It's a hard it's a hard thing when you're working with steel to it doesn't convey well. Um, the the laser cut flat pack that we sell actually fits inside of a priority uh, large. They call it a game board box uh, that the United States Postal Service has, and it it, it can be up to seventy pounds inside of it. So that's a bit of gravity there. <laughs> We took that in as an, a piece of an advantage to that, and that our flat pack parts, they actually, the way Matt packs them is uh, he, he packs them in such a way that they'll fit inside of that box. 
And uh, so it ships for 20 bucks. It's all it costs us to ship that. Uh, and um, if you can imagine, and it's uh, 46 pounds of steel inside mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. So um, and that's how we ship our, our hardware packs, too. They're all flat rate priority. And, and it's uh, if, it's a beautiful thing. If you'd put some kind of uh, plastic handle on there, people could use it instead of kettleballs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure that there is a bunch of mail carriers who want to kill us right now. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's because some days we ship like 20 sets a day. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, I I don't even know how Matt does it, but it's it's been cool. So I wonder how many of those components could legitimately be made out of uh, UHMW plastic or something. Yeah, you could probably do it. I mean, it it, the the benefit of having the grinder made out of steel is that it's heavy. You know, like Mm -hmm. you said before, it's it. I had you have to mount it. Yeah, you definitely have to bolt it down. Um, there's no flex in this steel, you know, and mm-hmm. that is uh, this tool. If you build it and you keep it, it will be in your family for generations. It's one of those things that the, even the electron, probably the motor will last, you know, 15, 20 years of regular use. The electronics might fail before that. But I mean, you know, what's a VFD run you, you know, so it's it's a lifelong tool. And um, that's how I designed it. And that's how I built it. I wanted it to be around forever, and that's how I'm going to, you know, kind of hopefully at some point that's what I'll be known for is the guy that made all these, like, boat anchor uh, 2x72 bell grinders. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you're already known for that. Yeah, I think so, too. But, uh, well, listen, guys, it's a, we're at an hour 41, and, uh, James, I with all of my heart, man, thank you so much for coming on our podcast and educating us and filling us in a little bit about who you are and what your life is like and your, and your channel and what you're doing. Uh, you have enriched my life uh, with all of your knowledge and I and I and, you know I always slide into your DMs a little bit and tell you that and all that, but I want to do it here on the show and let you know how much I appreciate your work and what you do. Um, it's it, it changed my life and it changed. I'm sure it's changed millions of people's lives. I honestly that, that watch your stuff. So thanks hey, again. Man, well, like I said, I really appreciate that from uh, both of you guys and. Uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. This was fun. The first podcast I've ever done. So hey, awesome! I, I well, have maybe to say, one day you'll do your own. I have to say, James, I really appro- appreciate your uh, your point of view, and I can tell that you're a thoughtful person. And I I really like that. <clears throat> I really like that there are people who are deeper than the subjects that they explore. Oh yeah, there's like there's like a deep well of knowledge inside of James that we only get like a little piece of it on YouTube. We got a I'm glimpse. Sure. Oh man, I think y'all are giving me too much credit. I don't know. I, I appreciate it. I think I think there's a there's a opportunity there for you to branch out. Maybe you'll do a podcast yourself. I I, I think you'd be really good at it. I think you'd have man, fun. Man, who it. knows? Yeah, it's another layer. You know, of, just in um, case you have a spare stuff. twenty hours, extra twenty hours <laughs> later, right? right? Right, exactly. Well, listen, guys, I'm going to end the show right there. And I wanted to tell my audience, thank you so much for listening to us, Jib Jab. And I hope you're doing well in your workshop and studio. Uh, As always, you can support our work here through Patreon, through Buy Me a Coffee. Um, You can go to our YouTube channels. You can subscribe to us. uh, And down in the show notes, I'm going to include links down there so you can find James uh, Redbeard Ops. You can find his channel. You can find Trent's channel, my channel. And uh, just get involved in the maker movement 
movement. It's a beautiful movement that um, has made uh, my life and, and everyone's lives who has gotten kind of involved in it better. So if you're looking for something to do, uh, I highly suggest you you go out there and, and dig into it a little bit deeper. As always, everyone, thank you so much for all of your support. My name is Brian House, and this has been Work For It. Thanks again, and have an awesome week. Bye, folks. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.